Welcome to Legend Lore with Lauren and Jess. Today it's Pathfinder Builds for X-Men. <laughs> and with that, I am Lauren, your friendly neighborhood wildlife biologist. I'm Jess, game designer and frequent contributor to the Pathfinder and Starfinder RPGs. And if you couldn't tell, today's episode is about the X-Men. We're taking fan-requested gifted youngsters and turning them into playable mutants in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Before we get started, I'm just going to remind everybody that Legend Lore is headcanons only. Today, we're going to reimagine some pop culture characters as Pathfinder 2 heroes who could exist in Golarian. Every character has an infinity of permutations when they're reimagined and reinterpreted across genres and media. So the builds that we'll be presenting today are merely one among infinite options. And in Pathfinder 2e, like, that's just more true than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. There's always been in TTRPGs this kind of love for doing our own builds or like making our own versions of some beloved characters. But because 2e is so modular with the the art type system and with just the way you can build characters the way you want to, it really is like just an unlimited number of different ways to build characters. And I'm so glad that you let me talk you into us doing this this builds episode or even, you know, like several builds episodes because this is always like my favorite thing based from my from my history with TTRPGs and my time here at Legend Lore. I just love making these builds. Yeah, building characters is a lot of fun. And like you were saying, especially in Pathfinder 2, there are so many different ways that you can interpret and build a character. Uh, like broad strokes in terms of like what class you make a character. For some characters, there's a lot of class options. You have the question of whether they're built with free archetype or not, and if so, what archetype you give them. And then you also have like, what skill feats are you giving them? What general feats are you giving them? For a lot of characters, that kind of stuff is just personal preference in the way that you actually want to play them at the table. For one of the characters I'm going to be presenting later today, I ended up cycling through like four different main classes, and I think they all fit really well, mm -hmm. but that's just a testament to how well the system is designed. You can take almost any concept and flesh it out in the system just so many different ways. Tweak it to your heart's content. Absolutely. Jess, have you ever, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I've been playing this second edition, AD&D, &D, mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I've had some cringe builds. I've, I've had some cringe moments. One of mine was, like, I'm, I just for fun, I made Ganondorf, and I played Ganondorf, and the GM, you know, seeing an opportunity, made Link the primary antagonist. Did you ever have any just, like, just kind of cringe times where you took a character, you made them in Path in like you know your your RPG and then played them? Sort of. Um, in my first game that I ever played, which was a second edition D&D game, this game only lasted a single session, but the character that I made for this game was named Scala, like the princess of Zeal from Chrono Trigger. And she was oh. a necromancer, and I had made her as an elf, and she definitely looked exactly like Scala. But uh, because I was a necromancer and this was second edition D&D and I was, you know, level one, you know, the spell that I had available to me as a necromancy spell, because I'm going to cast my necromancy spell because I'm a necromancer, 
So that's, as you do, as yeah. you do. So that spell that I had was Chill Touch, which is a touched range spell, which meant that I had to like go into the melee combat in this second edition D&D game. And my friend was playing her elf archer character. And then she fires into combat while I'm right there doing my chill touch. And uh, firing into melee, I guess she had to roll to see, you know, does she hit or does she miss? She missed. Does she hit me instead? Yes. Am I killed instantly because I'm a second edition wizard level one? Yes. Second edition Dungeons and Dragons. My husband fondly remembers that system as his favorite system. Mm. And he sometimes confuses the word favorite with best, thinking it was the best system. Sweetheart, I understand that, you know, your nostalgia glasses are, are very powerful. Mm. But it's <laughs> there's no way second edition Dungeons and Dragons was the best edition. But I did have a lot of fun with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One thing that I tend to do more than creating pop culture characters, though, is taking the same character and then reinterpreting them across different games or different genres or different media. So taking a character that maybe I originally played as a Dungeons and Dragons character and then creating them as like a heavy gear pilot or as like oh, a, yeah. a futuristic character in like a sci-fi game. And so translating uh, what parts of the character uh, mean what in ac across different genres. The character I played for No Direction Stellar was one of those characters. Mm -hmm. Sam Hamish wasn't always a rootin' tootin' uh, space cowboy. She was just a, a normal cowboy, but from, you know, the fantasy world that we were playing in. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's always a lot of fun. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that I find really compelling about doing like these builds for these X-Men characters, because even if I wouldn't necessarily want to play uh, an X-Men character exactly, it's still fun to imagine where things exactly line up or what they suggest across different genres and different forms of media. And then one of the one of the great things about that practice is that you can see which concepts never change mm -hmm. and make sure that you're always including those in your builds. You, you, it really kind of reinforces that you're on the right track with it. There are some character options in like Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder, like stuff that was included in the um, the three point five D and D SRD that, in my opinion, are directly inspired by some of the X-Men, like in the same way that maybe Aragorn is like the prototype for the Ranger. There are some X-Men who I think are like the prototype for certain character options in these games. You'll see that in one of my builds for sure. Yeah. Now, actually, you might see that in two of my builds. Some of these though, look, so my experience with X-Men has been since the 90s, right? <laughs> I, think, I think both you and I probably grew up watching that 90s uh, cartoon show of the x-men and it was so much fun yeah and i bet if we went and watched it again it probably wouldn't hold up i do actually I kinda... yeah i want to rewatch it i yeah i want to i want to i want to rewatch and... gargoyles too and then like do you remember when the x-men movies like first came out i was so excited i look my memory's kind of rough but i think the very first one was actually pretty good am i getting that right i mean i liked it at the time, I don't know if I would rewatch it and still like it, but 
at the time, I don't know if it was just the excitement of seeing an X-Men story translated into film or yeah. or what, but I I was into that movie. Even if it, you know, it, maybe I wasn't completely sold on the direction that they took Rogue's character, you know, as a fan of like yeah. the 90s cartoon, right? The, the 90s cartoon version that we saw of Rogue's like night and day different from the uh Oh, oh, the 20th yeah. century yeah, version of Rogue. wasn't it? Yeah, the 20th century version of Rogue was kind Come of... Come on over here, sugar. You yeah. know, like, she didn't have none of that, none of that, like, weird southern stuff. No, she had a lot more in common with Jubilee. Yeah. And then I, I, and then I did watch, like, most of the movies that came after, but I did notice, as everyone else did, that they mm-hmm. kind of started going down the hill. And I don't think I saw any of the most recent X-Men movies. I kind of want to, though. Yeah, as soon as but they that... as soon as they got into like the time travel stuff and they had the like the alternative castings for a bunch of characters, that's kind of where I dropped off with them. Now, they did still have X-Men characters in like other movies. Like mm-hmm. wasn't Cable in a Deadpool movie or something? Yeah, there are some X-Men that have appeared in the Deadpool movies. And I like the Deadpool that's... movies a lot. Oh, and there was a and there was a the 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 big steel guy, Colossus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he was in there. I mean, the X-Men, they're getting all kinds of love in the MCU these days. Even if not their own movie, but I really feel like it's probably on the way. I don't know if it is. Maybe it's been announced and I'm just the only idiot that doesn't know. But I feel like there's got to be a new like a new X-Men MCU like, movie coming. There's just got to be. I think they're setting up to do something with House of M, yeah. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> well, so Jess... I'm so excited. We have avoided spoilers so much. I cannot wait for these builds. But before we can get into these character builds, I want to I want to kind of establish some parameters that me and Jess have to have to abide by. You know, if we're going to do a bunch of these different build episodes, I think it'd be I think it's kind of important to ha- have a general way that we do them. Yeah. So, you know, me Yeah, I would love and I talked about it. Yeah, I would love for this to be a series. And so if it's going to be a series, it makes sense to have uh, like the, the procedure for the way that we're going to do this in every one of our Legend Lore Build episodes. Yeah, and for this one, for, this, for these in particular, I really feel like it's more guidelines. Like you do your best to follow within the parameters, you mm-hmm. know, and it, but if you have to go outside of them, you have to go outside of them. But listeners, this is where I kind of want your contribution on this. Let us know how we did. You know, at, when you listen to the episode, you hear how we've done these characters. Go in the Discord and tell us, like, hey, you guys did a great job with this character. Man, you really missed the mark on this other one. What if you'd use this class instead? I would, oh, man, I hope you go in there and tell us. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. So with that in mind, let me, let me ru- run you through our guidelines. As is legend or tradition, we're going to aim for level 10. Mm-hmm. With all the class episodes, we've always made the classes uh, our class builds at level 10, so we're going to go for level 10. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some characters might just have to be higher, you know, like just depending on what's suggested. So it's okay if we do, but if we if we hit right at 10, you know, give us you know imaginary bonus points and let us know. <laughs> and if a character just only makes sense a lot lower, then yeah, you know, we'll leave them there. Uh, we also agreed that since... 
these characters that we're going to be getting suggestions to do, these are coming from, you know, different movies, they're coming from books, they're coming from video games. These are dynamic characters and they're beloved for a reason, meaning that there's probably going to be an amount of complexity that not having free archetype would make difficult. So we're going to be ready to use free archetype. Uh, and then the last of our parameters, we only have three parameters. And this one I kind of threw in here. And I, me and Jess have different but non-opposing opinions about it. And I think they're both really interesting. But here's what I put in here. I put that 95% of the characters that you guys might suggest will probably be literal humans because these are coming from stories written by humans for humans. So we reserve the rights to use the mechanics from non-human ancestries, but just say that they're not actually the dwarf or the orc, you know? But they do still have to adhere to Paizo Raw, rules as written. Yeah, I don't think uh, it's necessary to build a character as a human just because they were a human in their original source material. Because, like, in any piece of media that is set on Earth, for the most part, in order to be a person, you're going to be a human. Like, in our real world, in reality, personhood and, like, humanhood are, you know, very closely connected. Whereas, uh, whereas in Golarian in Pathfinder 2, there are so many different ancestries, and you're a person no matter which one you are. So, like, an elf is a person, a dwarf is a person, a a goblin is a person. All of these are people. And so there will be some characters where the cultural background or the story that they are telling in their original source material, like the place where the parallels lie in the Galarian lore, is actually going to be some non-human ancestry. And I think that when those cases arise, it's actually really cool to reinterpret the character as something other than a human, if that's where their story is. Yes, I think I just figured this out. I used to be a big fan of Rick and Morty before it became like the world's most cringiest show ever. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if I can blame the show. Like that was kind of a fan creation, right? But in that, you know, you would have Rick from, you know, whatever universe and he claims to be the truest Rick, right? Mm -hmm. But then he, you'd go and you'd see other Ricks. And sometimes they're kind of like, you know, I'm the Rick from the planet where everyone's blue, right? Yeah. I'm kind of feeling like that's what you got, what what we're doing here, or like what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. Like, because if you're making the X Men character from Galarian, yeah, that might be a dwarf or an orc or a kobold, mm -hmm. right? And then I'm kind of saying like, hey, I might make the Earth version in Pathfinder, so I'll use these Galarian mechanics, but not the Galarian flavor. Right. I think they're both so interesting, though. They're both so neat. I just, I, I love both builds. And I'm excited to see what we do with them. Yeah. But with that out of the way, it looks like we have scheduled that I must go first. And I will present a character to you listeners that I hope you will not lambast me for. Because this is a character I only knew from Marvel vs. Capcom 2. But back then... In that game, I thought this character was just so dang cool, and I always wanted to know more. So I was excited to get to do that research and learn more about this psychic mutant who had to endure 29 years of being body swapped with a ninja alongside the mental and physical manipulation at <clears throat> the hand of a demon-worshipping ninja clan. 
I am so happy to introduce you to my build for Betsy Braddock, a.k.a. Captain Britain or Psylocke. Jess, have you, uh, do you know anything about this character? Because I knew so little outside of what Marvel vs. Capcom showed me. I do know some about Psylocke, yeah. Uh, so I did know about her being Captain Britain and about like the brain swap with the ninja. There was a point when I was a kid when I, I think I had a Psylocke action figure. And so my first exposure to Psylocke was just like how cool she looked in her like ninja costume in the ninja getup yeah. with her energy sword and everything, right? But it took a little while before I actually saw what she was like in the comics. Because her story is a real weird one. I mean, maybe not by comic standards, but like you don't look at this sick energy sword ninja and expect yeah. that she's Captain Britain. You know, and to be honest, I hadn't. I, I mean, I won't lie, folks. I had. I didn't even know who Captain Britain was. I hadn't even heard that before. Mm -hmm. And then when and then I was. I thought Captain Britain was that what if character. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, oh, what if it yeah. wasn't Captain America? It was. It was. Right, you yeah. know, Steve's girlfriend. I thought that was Captain Britain. Come find out I was wrong. Yeah, so I believe but that's okay. So I believe that Psylocke was requested by our listener Smot Goblin. This build was requested by patron Smot Goblin and listener Medtech28. The powers that Psylocke is most known for are psychic in nature. They first manifested these kind of precognitious dreams, and later she could use her psychic powers for blades or blasts, illusions. She could also harness her psychic nature for telepathy, astral projection, or to physically, <clears throat> or to psychically mask her presence. And much later, due to some power swapping with Jane Grey, she was able to enhance her might with telekinesis uh, to strengthen her existing toolkit and to allow her to create force fields to fly and to become invisible. And she honestly was not that hard to make in Pathfinder. I gave her skills in like piloting and martial arts. Uh, let me, let's just let's get to the ABCs. Let's not get ahead yeah. of myself. Let's get to the ABCs. I made her a versatile human because I didn't need to go outside the rules. But I honestly think maybe I could have used you know, the little disclaimer I already put in there and gone with Kashrishi because they have, you know, they're the psychic little little rhino looking dudes, but they start with like a bunch of psychic options. And that would have been a really cool way to give to give her more psychic options, even though we're already starting with the psychic class. She's a psychic of the tangible dream with precise discipline. And I'm giving her the fighter dedication so that she can use all the martial weapons that she needs to. Her background is driver because from the stories, she was a pilot, right? She's going to be she's gonna be good at stealth and acrobatics and athletics, most of all. But then she'll also be good at intimidation, society crafting. Diplomacy is deception, maybe. You can kind of flavor the taste there. Most of her... Most of her class feats, or at least the free archetype ones, are going to be spent on different fighter things to get extra hit points from fighters' resiliency. Psylocke wasn't, you know, like a squishy caster type, right? She did have some hit points to her. So fighters' resiliency is a good way to get that in there. It also gives her training in martial weapons so she can use the katana that I totally gave her. And fighter has my all-time favorite class feat in it. It has dual-handed assault, which if you're not familiar with it, 
you can be holding a weapon in one hand, and for one action, you grab it in two hands and swing it. And if your weapon has the two-hand trait, it does that damage plus a little bit more. If it does not have the two-hand trait, it just does a little bit extra damage. It's really cool for a character who wants to, like, hold one weapon and sometimes swing it with two hands, which actually comes up quite a bit. You'd be surprised the number of builds can take advantage of it. Yeah. And with giving Psylocke the fighter dedication, it makes it real easy to use it. And Katanas, which she is known for, have the two-hand trait. So she's really going to get a lot of mileage out of it. Most of the abilities that she has in canon are also super easy to get with just the psychic class because all of her psi weapons could just be a cantrip, imaginary weapon, which the tangible dream gets. It's a cantrip. It's two actions. You manifest a psychic weapon and you hit somebody with it. Using the psychantrip for shield is a great stand-in for all of these different ways that her psychic or telekinetic powers can mitigate damage. Psy burst is amazing. It's for one action, you deal damage to somebody. Hey, you, uh, how about a fort save? You're taking half the damage or whatever, right? It's just one, it's one thing. Like, this is literally what she does. And then we can also use psy strikes from the psychic class to empower her katana to give it the psychic energy so she doesn't eat so she can use the katana she can empower it with psychic magic or she can just summon out on you know one made of pure psychic energy alone when we get down the further down the line we get to parallel breakthrough this gives her the psychic version of days and and you know listeners if you're not familiar with the psychic class yet that's okay because like you don't see it a lot but really what it does is it takes the cantrips that you may be familiar with from the occult spellers or the arcane spellers, and it gives you a stronger version of them, which is really useful for a lot of different kind of builds. It, it's, it doesn't get enough love. So when we give the side days version to her, it's a little bit stronger than the wimpy days <laughs> that days normally is. But more importantly, it later allows her to deliver something she gets from the remove presence feat. So that she can hit somebody with a side daze and boom, if they fail their will save, they forgot that she even existed for a little bit, completely masking her presence in their psyche. It works really well. And then I'm also using natural ambition from human to get counter thought at level one and brain drain at level eight because she is skilled as a telepathic duelist. Mm -hmm. And so those kind of help her represent that if she ever gets and anything. And then the last, the last I will bring to you of my Psylocke build is just like two spells. I'm picking True Strike. I'm going to signature it just because Lauren loves True Strike. Mm -hmm. And it, it's like, why would you signature True Strike? There's no heightened version. Yeah, but it's so good that it's really never a wasted spell, right? Like, it just, True Strike's so good. I'm giving her fly because later she could fly. And I started picking out mental type spells that she can cast, you know, to to further be some of these psychic powers. And I just gave up. There's so many. There are so many spells that deal mental damage that it's just endless. You can really flavor her to taste. Jess, mm -hmm. is this, you, I think you knew Psylocke better than I did going into this. How'd I do? I was surprised that you didn't give her the Mindsmith archetype. I had considered it. Yeah. I had considered it. 
but I really wanted to give her a way to use a physical weapon. She is yeah. trained with, you know, physical weapons. And I thought that fighter just satisfied the most, the, the most things in such a complete package. Yeah, if you want to play Psylocke using the katana a lot, it makes sense to go with the free archetype fighter. And then, like you were saying, just use your cantrip to represent her, uh, her psychic blade. But there's so many ways to interpret all of these characters that, like, just depending on what aspects of the character you wanted to focus on if you were going to play them. Yeah. That's kind of how you would decide between doing, like, the fighter archetype so you could be better with your katana or mindsmith. And I, I tried to capture, like, the most rounded picture of Psyche. Yeah. I tried to get the most of her concepts in one. And I feel like this is the way you do it. And this just now gave me an idea for a character. <laughs> Since the mines, the minesmith never gets the ability to like dual wield their mind blades, mm -hmm. which I always thought was strange, unless I just couldn't find it for some reason. But now I'm thinking I could take my fighter with my beloved dual handed assault feet mm -hmm. and apply that to mind, mind smith. That'd be so cool. I'm gonna make a build uh, tonight with that, just because that's fun. Yeah, that would be fun. Jess, who 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 do you have next? Who are you bringing to the table? So requested by listener Mithra Max, the first character that I will be presenting is Domino. Uh, Domino is a character who is introduced in the X-Force comics as a mercenary and member of Cable's mercenary group, the Wild Pack. So her mutant power is probability manipulation. So she can psionically create like a random kinetic phenomena around her that will nudge fate in her favor and cause things to happen that are lucky for her but unlucky for her enemies so things like just random things happen around her in a way that just makes her very very lucky domino also you know what that reminds me of mm -hmm. it's been it's been thought i've heard this before that Frank Castle actually does have a superpower, and it is luck. Oh. And this makes me wonder if there's something there, if it's something like this. It could be. Uh, so in addition to her luck powers, Domino is also very agile. She has enhanced reflexes. She's an expert markswoman, martial artist, and acrobat. And then she also has a history as a mercenary and as an assassin. Her backstory in the comics is that she was born as a subject of Project Armageddon, which was one of those, you know, like, secret super soldier programs. But they didn't There's think, so many of them. There's so many of them. Uh, but these particular uh, super soldier creator hopefuls were unsatisfied with her luck-based mutant powers. They didn't meet project goals. So uh, her mother helped her escape and so on and so forth. And then in addition to her comic book appearances, Domino does appear in the Deadpool 2 film. I'm predicting that you went with Gunslinger. I don't know anything about your builds, but I'm predicting that you went with Gunslinger. I did, in fact, make Domino as a Gunslinger. Nice. Uh, so Domino, I built as a human Gunslinger with the Hired Killer background. She has the skilled heritage and then the general training ancestry feat just to pick up fleet. Uh, her gunslinger way 
is the Way of the Pistolero. And for skills, uh, up to level 10, she takes Deception and Intimidation up to Master, uh, Acrobatics to Expert, and then she's also trained in like Athletics, Society, Stealth, Thievery, and Underworld Lore. As you do. As you do. And so for her gunslinger feats, she has like pistol twirl, she has black powder boost, which is that extremely comic book one where you fire off your gun and it makes you jump further. Literally rocket jump. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So she has that. She has pistol arrows, challenge. But for her free archetype, she has one of those archetypes that like you can clearly see the inspiration where it just like matches up perfectly to the tropes that domino inhabits she oh has God, I was hoping you'd pick this unexpected sharpshooter and so the unexpected sharpshooter archetype gives you a two action activity accidental shot that you can do where when you make a strike with your ranged weapon, you roll both the attack roll and the damage roll twice and use the better results for each. And then, Yo, how often can they do that? It starts off once per day, but there is a later feat you can take, which Domino has, that lets you do it once per hour. So basically in every combat, depending on how long you're resting between combats. That's basically just improved true strike at will. Mm-hmm. That is so mm-hmm. cool. That's my favorite. That is my that's my favorite spell, by the way. Oh yeah. Is true strike. Yeah, if Domino were a spellcaster, it would make sense for her to have true strike. And like there are ways to build characters so that they get just like a limited amount of spell casting, and giving her true strike wouldn't be out of bounds. But Psylocke needed it because mm-hmm. like as a as a psychic class, her, you know, attack bonus kind of sucks. So she's gotta use all these ways to that build us to use all these ways to get, to get her attacks to hit. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so then the other stuff that Psylocke has from her unexpected sharp Not Psylocke, though. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> D- Domino. Goodness. Yeah, so as she levels up, Domino also has the archetype feats uh, Lucky Escape, which is a reaction you can use when a creature is targeting you with an attack. And then that's the reverse of her um and so that's the reverse of her accidental shot and so that forces the enemy to roll twice and use the worst result and that seems like a natural fit like that archetype mm-hmm. just fits oh yeah and then she has uh unbelievable luck which is the one that lets her use unexpected her uh, And then she also has Unbelievable Luck, which is the one that lets her use her accidental shot once per hour instead of once per day. And then at level 10, instead of taking a level 10 gunslinger feat, I just doubled up on her her unexpected sharpshooter options. So she has the I meant to do that action, which you can use once per hour, where if you fired a ranged shot and missed, instead of just missing, uh, your stray bullet causes some like rubble to knock down or whatnot, and you can roll a deception check to shove, trip, or disarm the foe that you missed. And then she also has unbelievable escape, 
which, like her unbelievable luck, lets her use her lucky escape once per hour instead of once per day. And then there's also I'm a really skill feat. It. I'm really feeling it. There's also a skill feat, an unexpected sharpshooter, that requires you to be a master in, de in deception. And so once per round, you can use, that was a close one, huh? For one action. <laughs> the requirement is either you used accidental shot and hit your opponent with a strike this turn, or you used lucky escape since your last turn and the triggering attack missed you. And so this uh, action lets you just kind of laugh off your inexplicable luck as a way to demoralize an enemy. <laughs> and then you can roll deception instead of intimidation on the demoralized check. I really like I really like that in particular. Like you 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 shoot at somebody at, at while you're sneezing, right? You somehow land it between their eyes and you look at their buddy and it's like I'll do it again too. Yeah. That's good. But so which 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 guns did you give her then? Like which ones did you think fit the best? Well, the reason I gave her way of the pistol arrow was just because I felt like the um the slinger's reload and the the deeds and everything fit her better. But Domino uses a variety of weapons and she's one of those characters who tends to walk around just with like an arsenal on her person. So she doesn't mm -hmm, really have mm -hmm. weapons that she specializes in so much as she's just like covered in them and whatever weapon is around, she's fine. And I think that a lot of a lot of pistolero, right, mm -hmm. didn't actually need to be pistols, but it did need to be like one-handed weapons. And I found a little loophole with that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of weapons that have like the fatal aim trait where like you're allowed to hold this big gun in one hand, but you don't get like the fatal from it if you do. So like you can still just be like here's a here's a Giselle. I don't know what, how you pronounce that, but here she's holding a rifle, and now you can do like the pistolero stuff if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like in order for her to use pistols, world she would have to be using a one-handed ranged weapon. But it's not as though she needs to be using pistol twirl every round. She has a lot of other abilities, and I think that with the way that Domino is built with the unexpected sharpshooter, it does make sense for her to have multiple guns on her person to use the biggest gun that she's got for her accidental shot action, and then to maybe switch to pistols. And I, I forgot about this as part of the loophole. Pistol twirl. You're wielding a loaded one-handed range weapon. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say in one hand. Mm -hmm. So you can have two hands on your Giselle you're wielding a loaded one-handed range weapon as per the rules as written. Mm -hmm. Boom. You can still pistol twirl even though you don't have a hand free. It's just a little, just one of those little things. It's rules as written, but not as intended, I think. But yeah, I have a build, I have a build ab about that. And I think it's a really cute gimmick. And it feels, yeah, yeah this all feels really domino-y. Mm -hmm. I do remember she was in one of like the movies. I think yeah. it was the Deadpool movie. Yeah, Deadpool 2. Yeah. Shit, that was that, that that was a cool character. I really liked that. Yeah, Domino is very cool. Yeah, this feels this feels really fitting. I like it. Who is your next character? Mine. Okay. Well, I had to pick this one. It was only suggested by one by one listener. This was suggested by Patron Foe Clan, but it's the poster child of the X-Men. It's Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. I mean, not specifically <laughs> Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, but it is Wolverine as portrayed in the in the movie 
by Hugh Jackman. Yeah, it's Hugh, Hugh Jackman's Hugh Jackman. That's, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, that is what it is. Uh, you're not allowed to have puns like that anymore. That was too rough. I tried to, this is one where I had to not pick human. I wanted to so bad. Folks, I looked at every opportunity to get any kind of like claw action in there that was fitting and not just trash. And there are ways to do it. Like I could make a Wolverine with a D4 slashing agile finesse claw, but by using the mechanics of ancestry catfolk, we're able to get the clawed catfolk heritage for a D6 agile finesse claw attack on both hands. Ooh. So these are the best claws that we've got are the catfolk claws. And then as I was starting to look at a lot of the things that goes with catfolk, it kind of just started making more and more sense. For example, the, the ancestry feet, well-met traveler for the catfolk. You've walked so many walks of life that you're just people, people like you, you know, like, I mean, I get Wolverines like gruff and stuff, you know, nobody's like, he's, he's not like, Hey, bub. And then everyone's like, Oh, we like, no, but like, you know, if, if he wants to help you out, right. If you're his friend and like, he sees you in a bar and you're having a bad day, Wolverine's going to come over. He's going to have an easy time doing it. Cause he's been, I don't know. I think Wellmet Traveler fits. Maybe, maybe you could argue with me on that, but I kind of think it fits. No, the flavor of, I don't know like, why, but the I, flavor of like walking so many different walks of life and having so many yeah, different yeah. experiences that is so Wolverine because as soon as you start looking into his backstory and everything, he has done so many different things, lived so many different places and like experienced life in so many different yeah. ways. Uh, yeah. And I gave him the background amnesiac. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of ways you could go with this, but I feel like that's the most all encompassing, you know, that's kind of like, is his thing? Oh, who am I? Who am I? You know, like he doesn't know, but uh, so I gave him that. And then for the class, it was this one was really straightforward. I used barbarian. I picked a barbarian, as you do. The problem with Wolverine is it's like, how do you get the healing factor in there? I think what I've done is I've looked for all these different ways to just constantly be generating temporary hit points, just over and over again. Temporary hit points, temporary hit points, temporary hit points, Ooh. all day, all day. I think barbarian's a good way to do that. It's because with your rage, you know, you give yourself temporary hit points, but then you get further down the barbarian line. At level eight, you can take renewed vigor. Just you use one action, you get temporary hit points equal to half your level plus your constitution modifier. This doesn't say how often you can do it. It has no stipulations. You pause, you gain temporary hit points. Just do temporary hit points. Are they additive? I've always assumed they're additive. Only if it says... You know, like if 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 a spell gives you like ten temporary hit points, and then a class feat gives you six temporary hit points, do you now have sixteen temporary hit points? I've always assumed you did. Hmm. If they come from different sources, no, you can have temporary hit points from only one source at a time. If you gain temporary hit points when you already have some, choose whether to keep the amount you already have and their corresponding duration or to gain the new temporary hit points and their duration. So there I are see. some effects that grant temporary hit points that specify 
that they stack with themselves. But unless they specify that they are additive, then they are not. Well, then then this will still work, though, because mm-hmm. in every turn, you know, Wolverine, my Wolverine can use an action to get temporary hit mm-hmm. points off. A, a crude facsimile for a true healing factor, but it does work. No, I it's, think... every, it's every turn, and, you know, it's free. Yeah, I think it's very as part clever. Of, yeah, as Barbarian, believe it or not, I just went the fury instinct Mm -hmm. i had considered animal instinct because you know you've got bear and you've got like cat and they both do give you a claw attack but it's on d4 and it's and their main thing is like a bite attack and i just couldn't i just couldn't picture it Mm -hmm. i couldn't picture it so i i went with the cat folk i'm going fury instinct but it does make sense that is kind of his thing right oh i'm gonna get real angry bub you know that is kind of his thing and so with Fury Instinct, then he gets, you know, some extra barbarian feats. Uh, he's got acute vision, you know, because I remember him kind of having, like, almost animalistic senses, too. Yeah. So we've we've got acute vision from barbarian. Later, we're going to pick up acute scent. You know, we're just going to go all down, like, the animalistic route. We've got pain tolerance at level six. Oh. Feels pretty, right? Yeah, yeah. Level four, I could have... There's a lot of things I could have done at level four. Uh, I... I could have done barreling charge to like run through stuff, you know. I could have done raging athlete, which, if I remember right, Wolverine was always surprisingly nimble, mm-hmm. despite being just like a weirdly like shaped suit of meat. I picked no escape. You try to move away from him, he's on you. You know, he's on you. I picked that. Interestingly, I'm gonna kind of all over the place with this because this is very exciting. Interestingly, from Catfolk. He has land on his feet, so it only takes half damage and doesn't fall prone Oh, from fall damage. See, I don't know. It just feels kind of Wolverine to me. You know, I just kind of take these falls. Let's see. What else did I get in here? Level 10 was just instinctive strike. I think this was another one where it wasn't, like, such a big deal. But you do have to have, like, the acute scent. You have to have, like, that animal scent. Mm-hmm. And then you can negate, you can like smell someone so well that they can't like hide themselves from you. That felt kind of Wolverine-y. And I didn't actually need free archetype for this. I think this could be done. This could be a fine Wolverine. Mm-hmm. But free archetype did help because I used the scout dedication. When I picture Wolverine fighting, he's got those claws, but he's like pouncing on stuff, right? The scout dedication increases your speed. You get Scout's Charge, where you, like, you know, can do a bunch of weird stuff. I mean, you literally get, like, a Scout's Pounce or something. Is that in here? Yeah, Scout's Pounce, level uh, level 10. Like, this is perfect, you know, for somebody who's just a fast striker on the go. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a pretty good Wolverine. Yeah. It's not perfect. I had to go Catfolk, but, you know, you get D6. Look, look I'll read it. Claw, unarmed attack, d6 slashing damage, brawling group, agile finesse, unarmed. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. That's perfect. What more do you want? No, I think that uh, Wolverine as like a very burly cat folk makes sense as a Golarian version of Wolverine. Yeah. I I buy it completely. Yeah. Oh, and look at this. I forgot two of the ancestry feats. These are really good. Level five, climbing claws. The he gets a, a climb speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we've all seen him like stick those claws in like the wall and climb up it. Mm-hmm. Boom, it's right there. Level nine, 
from Catfolk's springing leaper, right? Mm -hmm. You can you can do these big jumps in like fewer actions. Mm -hmm. It's right here. I mean, this is exactly it's what it is. Yeah, it's it's what it is. Absolutely. It has to be Catfolk. Absolutely. I also built someone an X Men as a Catfolk actually. So there will actually be two Catfolk in this episode. Maybe we're learning something about the X Men. <laughs> so many of them are Catfolk. <laughs> they are all Jellicle. <laughs> So, uh, so I, yeah, that's what, extremely what cursed, Lauren. That's extremely cursed. <laughs> <laughs> would, would you would you've picked anything different? Like I can't for the for the archetype, you know. I just can't come up with anything else that would have fit better. But I still don't think Scout's like the world's most amazing choice. Ooh. And if I could have found something with like more self healing, I maybe would have gone with that. But I just wasn't finding it. Blessed one, maybe. Then he could lay on hands himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I know if the I don't know that the flavor of the blessed one necessarily pans out for him, but mm -hmm. the and the stuff it leads into later mm -hmm. just also, I was looking at blessed one though. Mm -hmm. I th I think Scout's gonna have to do it though because it really gets that mobility in there. I do like it. Yeah. All right, Jess. Who do you have next? My... Who can you who can you follow the poster boy with? Ooh. Ooh. Requested by listener Brian Lane. I have the ultimate gifted youngster, Jubilee. Oh my goodness. So from the cartoon, you have we had like the most favorite character <laughs> and like the least favorite. Character. That's amazing. <laughs> I think Jubilee's become kind of a fan favorite because of that status in you know today. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I loved Jubilee in the cartoon, but I understand how she would get like, just because of her power, like she, I feel like people love her, but people love that like her power is just so silly. Yeah, kind of useless. Yeah, yeah. So Jubilee, uh, her backstory is that she's like a street kid in Beverly Hills. And in the comics, she um, joins the X-Men after following Storm, Rogue, Psylocke, and Dazzler through a portal back to their X-Men base, which at this time is in Australia. And then she just like squats in their Australian base and they don't know she's there. And she like steals Dazzler's clothes and like just lives in their <laughs> basement until eventually they vacate the base and she discovers uh, and saves Wolverine from a bunch of like Hellfire Club PMCs. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah her mutant power uh i saw it described as lumikinetic explosive light blasts but it's basically little firework explosions and her They're her power is kinetic yeah <laughs> lumikinetic what is lumikinetic lumikinetic like it's light but it's light that has a kinetic force because oh, she can, I see. It's like special light. Yeah, because like she can use her fireworks to like knock over trees and stuff, right? It's light with mass. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, her her firework power being like weak and silly has been the butt of a lot of jokes, but ultimately they did present it in the comics as being pretty powerful. And there is a comic where she detonates at the subatomic level to create a massive atomic blast. Oh, huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. And 
And then her body can also absorb all of this energy back into itself without harm. So she can be like ground zero of the blast and like her clothes aren't fine, but she is. Huh. But Sometimes addition... comics be claiming stuff that's a little, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, sus. Yeah. So in addition to her fireworks, she also has kind of a natural psionic shield around her mind, protecting her from telepathic attacks and also making her invisible to telepathic detection. And then there's also like a point in the comics where it become, she becomes like a vampire too or whatever, but like it's superhero comics, so she got better. Uh, that sounds. I like that. Though. They should. <laughs> they should go back to that. That sounds awesome. She was. She was a vampire yeah. for a while. I think. Does she ever get any like, like I remember her from the ninety nineties comics. I mean, or not comic from the nineties show. And yeah. I guess she's been in the comics for sure. But like, has she ever had any other like, you know, big roles? Um, she like the role that she plays in the comics has kind of changed over time. Like she was introduced as like. Just the the kid sidekick, like literal teenager, but she does kind of age as the comics continue and progress and eventually takes on more of like a leadership role among the X-Men and so on and so forth. Okay. She never, That's kind of cool. She never particularly appeared in the 20th century uh, movies. She has like cameos in a bunch of them, but they keep casting a different actress every time. She's been played by like three <laughs> people in those movies now. So, Lauren, if you were going to build Jubilee, what class would you have made her as? Because obviously I do have a level 10 Jubilee right here, but I'm just curious, like, what class would you have even made her? Well, as I'm thinking about this, you're talking about these lumikinetic, uh -huh. this lumikinetic power, she's got a psychic mental shield. Mm -hmm. You could have gone psychic. Mm -hmm. Psychic would have made sense. Mm -hmm. uh, some type of illusionist or like a sorcerer mm -hmm. also would have made a lot of sense or like a fey blood sorcerer yeah i can see that i considered i, see I considered sorcerer at first that was kind of where my instinct uh had taken me at first and then i do wish that i could have seen the kinet uh the kineticist because it's possible yeah. that jubilee might also make like a really good fire kineticist maybe just or or something i don't know exactly which one but uh, or maybe you would need to like do a lot of homebrewing to make uh, like light-based fire kineticist powers. Uh -huh. I'm not sure, yeah. but we don't have kineticists right now, so I can't really speculate on how good a kineticist she would make. I did choose to build her as a psychic. Nice. And the reason I chose psychic is because I wanted to give her the tangible dream conscious mind. Is that the one I picked? Did no. I pick that for Psylocke? I don't think so. Maybe. I don't think so. What did you pick for Psylocke? Did you pick Tangible Dream? <laughs> I did pick Tangible Dream. That's yeah. interesting. Look, look, Psychic is... I'm learning. We haven't done an episode on it yet. But I'm learning that Psychic is a surprisingly versatile and well-rounded class. Mm -hmm. I'm really digging it. So here's why I went with Tangible Dream. Tangible Dream says you pull colors and shapes from the depth of your mind, projecting impossible creations into the world as tapestries of astral thread or sculptures of force and light. And at first, well, that's literally her. At, yeah, at first level, this gives you color spray, and then the psi cantrips 
that you get are uh, you can do dancing lights and you can do shield, which are also just like literally her. And so the, um, the imaginary weapon is not so much necessarily like a Jubilee thing. But that's I why mean, Psylocke took it is for yeah. that imaginary weapon. Yeah, it's just, yeah. That's what I'm saying, though. It's neat that like there's so much to, you know, the psychic that we both picked the same thing to make extremely different characters. Mm -hmm. Psychic of the tangible dream. Yeah, I feel like if I were actually going to play this and if I really wanted it to feel like Jubilee, I would probably ask the Game Master if I could change imaginary weapon into like a thrown weapon instead of a melee weapon. Uh, and That'd then just cool. kind of, you know, change change the way that it works a, a little bit to make it more appropriate to a thrown weapon. But regardless of that, you know, she has other things she can do with her focus points. She can amp her dancing lights and, you know, all of that. But yeah, so she, let's see here. She's a human. She has the street urchin background. She has the psychic class. And then her first level psychic feat that she has from the natural ambition human feat is mental buffer which is the one where it's like shield around the brain exactly like exactly yeah oh and her uh her subconscious mind is emotional acceptance so she's a Aww. she's a charisma caster and she's all about uh her emotions and her her friendship and you know the power the power of friendship lets her create oh, the fireworks power of friendship yeah so for her the real friends were the fireworks we made along the way. I mean, in Jubilee's case, yes. Um, for her skills, uh, by level 10, she takes acrobatics and diplomacy to master. Oh, and occultism, because she's an occult caster. And then she also is an expert in athletics and in deception and society. And then she is trained in a lore for the city that she's a street urchin in maybe absalom i guess instead of los angeles some kind of big city mm -hmm. and uh, she's trained in thievery and then she's also trained in gossip lore because she has the dandy archetype oh you jess you wily little thing always <laughs> find a way to fit that dandy in there god the only way this would be more on the nose for you is if you made her a, like a genie ken i did not i resisted but i could have made her an ifrit and then given her the bright soul lineage which is the lineage where you are an ifrit and your like connection to fire manifests as like glowing light and fireworks you definitely could have like, i could have that would have been a way to go about it yeah, yeah. but i i didn't because i wanted that uh that skilled heritage. Humans get just those, so useful. Get those skilled heritage, natural ambition, mm -hmm. and then multi-talented at and like at nine. Mm -hmm. Humans just it's so it's so good. I so I think it's kind of too good. Yeah. In fact. Yeah. So she has uh for her psychic feats, she has warp step, which gives her uh a cantrip amp where she can do positioning without needing exact line of sight. She just needs line of sight to like a square that has line of sight. Warp step is such a fun cantrip. Yeah. And then she has violent unleash so that when she unleashes her psyche, it, you know, creates like a, a shock wave or in her case, I guess a light kinetic wave. 
Of course. She of just course. like explodes and sparkles. Uh, and then got some hard light there. Another thing she has in common with the Psylocke build, she has parallel breakthrough. And for parallel breakthrough, she selected days. Oh, just I'm like Psylocke. You, this is incredible. Yeah. This, I, this, uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, she's dazing people with the the bright flashing lights of her, her little fireworks. Um, one of the skill feats that I gave her at seventh level as a master in occultism, she qualifies for the skill feat Bizarre Magic, which is uh, you draw upon strange variations in your spell casting, whether or not you cast occult spells, the DC to recognize spells you cast and identify magic you use increases by five. So it's difficult to tell what she's doing because everything just looks like sparkly fireworks. It's all just sparkly light. It's all light. just sparkly yeah. light. Um, and then at level eight, she has the remove presence amp, which is the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the it's that one where if uh, you hit your enemy, they uh, you become undetected to that creature, disappearing from its senses for one minute. It, Jess, this is just like know, you and I, I just know. showed up to the ball, and we're both wearing the same psychic build. I know, but. You, you're going to have to go change. I wore this first. Nah, nah, nah. All right, so Jubilee. At second level, she does Dandy Archetype, and then she takes the Bon Law skill feat. At fourth level, she takes Gossip Lore and Distracting Flattery from Dandy. At sixth level, for her free archetype, she moves away from Dandy, and she takes the Acrobat Dedication because she's a gymnast. Mm-hmm. That's what's helping her get that mastery in acrobatics. At eighth level, she has dodge away from the acrobat, which lets her, um, it helps her evade if she's being attacked in melee. And then she also has graceful leaper, so she can use her acrobatics instead of her athletics for high jumps and long jumps. And then at 10th level, she has, again from the dandy, statement strut. Normally, statement strut, it's from firebrands, so it's uncommon, Mm -hmm. and ordinarily, it's kind of like you would need permission to take it if you're not a firebrand, but I feel like Jubilee uh, qualifies for this. Her brand is fire. mm -hmm. So, frequency once per 10 minutes, it's one action, you have an eye for fashion, and you know how to sell attitude and confidence with your walk, which Jubilee obviously does. She's a fashion girly. She's a fashion icon. She's an Instabaddy. So you strive. Those glasses, man. It's because she stole them from Dazzler's closet when she was squatting in the X-Men base. She learned how to be a Dazzler. Mm-hmm. So you stride up to your speed and all enemies within 30 feet of your movement are enraptured by your performance and they must succeed <laughs> at a will saving throw or become unable to use reactions until the end of your next turn. So oh my God, you literally go down the runway mm-hmm. and distract people. Yeah. And so you could say that this is, they're distracted by her incredible fashion. But on the other hand, she's also just throwing fireworks around. Like it's very distracting. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't like go through and pick psychic spells for Jubilee. She has whatever ones you want to like flavor as fireworks. Mm-hmm. But that is my Jubilee build. There is a fireworks spell. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's on this spell list. 
I mean, it could be, but like that'd be such a good pick, though. Yeah. yeah like to ask your GM, like, hey, can I get this fireworks spell? There's a bunch of charges. there's a bunch of them that work really well, like Phase Bolt. It, you know, that could be. Oh yeah, that's a good. One. Uh, kinetic Ram, because it could be used to like push people around, and her fireworks obviously mm -hmm. like do that and push people around. It's just a matter yeah. of like flavoring and fluffing everything with the like this looks like sparkles this looks like fireworks which she even achieves rules as written with her bizarre magic skill feat i feel like jubilee was probably a little bit difficult to settle on uh, on like some of these different options mm -hmm. you know maybe psychic felt like a good fit but there's so many different archetypes that make me like feel like hmm, that that might have worked mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. Like you had, you had celebrity. Mm -hmm. Is is there a mesmerist, or am I just, am I just hallucinating that? Uh, mesmerist was the that's something that is something, right? Mesmerist was the name of a Pathfinder first edition class. Yeah, but we have something in second edition that like is that right? I mean, basically I mean, the psychic. Mesmerist, yeah, basically, basically the psychic is how you would do that. But there is the there is the captivator. But that's one thing of the captivator, yeah. Yeah, the issue with the captivator is that taking the captivator is kind of like taking a spell casting class archetype when you're already a spellcaster. Oh, uh, okay. So, like, oh, and it's at level four, so mm -hmm. it kind of doesn't play very nicely with mm -hmm. free archetype anyway. Yeah, so like the, the captivator dedication, you choose two cantrips from the occult spell list. And like she, she doesn't need that. She's already in a cult spellcaster, right? And so if I had built her not as a spellcaster, then captivator dedication and captivator archetype would have all made a lot of sense. Yeah, I still think it. I still think that you know what you've got though makes a hell of a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Like you know, it's hard to argue with that. That's pretty good. I think that like if I were to get my hands on the kineticist, and if I were to write a bunch of light-based kineticist abilities, Jubilee would make a really, really cool kineticist. Or if you wanted to just reflavor the fire ones as being like sparkly fireworks, I think that would work really yeah. excellently. And I also, I feel like there's a lot of overlap of just like the vibe and the energy that Yoon, the iconic kineticist has now that she's like an edgy teen. I feel like she has oh, Jubilee yeah. energy. Jubilee energy. Mm -hmm. I was looking to see if there was like a light-based oracle mystery, mm -hmm. and I just didn't see one. That would have made a lot of sense. Oh, what about witch? Is there like a witch? A light-based? I don't think there is either. Yeah, I think you got it the, the, the best way to do it, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel that feels like Jubilee, and it also feels like a fun character to play. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of different Some directions of these... that you could take Jubilee, though. Most of the builds, or I guess, I guess two of the builds I did, I don't think Wolverines was non-straightforward it was pretty straightforward but like the other two that i did they're like really complicated they have a lot of tools that are interesting i'd love to play them i'd love to play both of them well who is your next one who's the last so, one that you built well this is my favorite x-man in fact if if users hadn't suggested this X-Men, I was going to do them anyway as my last one because i really wanted to give gambit some love He's always been my favorite, especially since the 90s, you know, cartoon, uh, even in the comics, you know, he was really cool. And I just hated that he didn't get the screen time he deserved in the movies. I think he was like a cameo mm -hmm. in 
one and maybe had like a fight scene in another. Yeah, yeah he, he he needed more love. Yeah, Gambit, for those who don't, Gambit is so cool. Yeah, for those who who aren't super familiar with the character, because he's kind of gone to the wayside in like you know the 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 zeitgeist, I guess. Mm. Yeah, he was a he was a street urchin that was taken in by like like a street gang, and and he was really good as like a charlatan. I think I even I did I didn't give him charlatan though. I actually gave this gambit just street urchin, mm. you know, which makes a lot of sense. And he's just you know famously. The, the roguish member of the X-Men without, you know, being the character rogue. And there was a lot of different ways to build Gambit. I, re I remade him as so many different classes before I finally settled on Magus. Oh. My first build with him was actually Swashbuckler. Mm -hmm. I was convinced Swashbuckler was the right way to go. I looked at that and Rogue because both of them have access to the most gambit feat a feat so gambity that it is it must be known in the paizo office that he is the origin of this feat i i, I maybe i probably won't pronounce this right but it's forberry mm -hmm. how do you say that is that a french word forberry or just forbear mm -hmm. what this is is rogues and swashbucklers can take this at level two as their class feat it's a stance where you have a set of playing cards and you're allowed to treat them as darts or daggers. And you literally have like, you know, all 52 of them and you can you can find them all after a minute, right? Like it's it's so useful. You just throw them around, which is why I first started with my gambit as a swashbuckler. That way I'd immediately get for for Barry and I could do different things and I actually thought that was pretty good too. You know, Gambit is a swashbuckler and he has like finishers. I I I changed to Magus. We're going to pick Rogue as an archetype. Mm -hmm. That way I can get for Barry mm -hmm. at level four. So we can throw cards at level four. But even before then, we're already throwing cards. Let me talk you through this Gambit. Okay. Right? Yeah. We're going human. Mm -hmm. Um despite being Magus, I'm actually making int his dump stat. Not because he's dumb. You know, he's not dumb, he's clever, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not like the thing he's known for isn't his cleverness. He is known for his charisma. So I'm bumping his charisma all to holy hell. I'm bumping his decks all to holy hell. He's known as like, you know, one of the most agile of the X-Men, right? So we're, we're getting his physical stats real good up there. And then at second level, we're getting rogue. Yeah, we're taking expansive spell strikes. So if he needs to, you know, throw a card and have it do something special, you know, like have a have a fireball in it or something you can do that i think that I, mean, I think i'm actually gonna start with cantrips though because this is where we get our gambit money okay right okay i'm representing his i'm representing most of his card throwing with the psychic dedication uh as a human with multi-talented at level nine just we're just taking the dedication and and then we're getting side development just to get access to like the really nice psychic cantrips. The only ones we get is telekinetic projectile. Oh. Literally, he takes a card, telekinetic projectiles it. Yeah, That's literally yeah. what he does. That is a one-to-one -one what Gambit does. You know? So it's kind of cool. And on top of that, because I picked Magus, he can then spell strike it too. He can literally throw a card with Forberry mm -hmm. and put spell strike of telekinetic projectile on top of it. And that's kind of what I built this build to do is for him to be able to have all of these different tools to throw uh, to throw a card or do something cool with it. 
which is why we did for Magus. I did go Starlight Span. I actually didn't want to. I wanted to go Twisting Tree mm-hmm. because Gambit's staff is also, you know. Oh yeah, it's it's also iconic. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. The original Gambit I did was a Swashbuckler Staff Acrobat. Oh. And I actually, I kind of liked it a lot. But when I saw Twisting Tree, I was like, "Well, this is it right here." But it's not. I'm doing Starlight Span just so we can spell strike with the cards. I feel like you have to spell strike with the cards, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we've got Telecrojectile, project you can spell strike with that. And then I took a lot of other like cantrips or spells that would also make sense to spell strike through a card or through literally anything else. I mean, he does it with the cards, but he can do it with anything. I remember once he charged up like a whole bus and like detonated a block. It was so cool. <laughs> but I've also given him Torturous Trauma, which is a weird cantrip to take. But like, it... it <laughs> It does bludgeoning damage, and through a spell strike, you hit them with a card, they take bludgeoning damage. That actually kind of fits, though, Mm -hmm. when you think about it. It's called trauma. And then if they fail, they're also fatigued. I mean, that's fine, I guess. But, like, it still feels like it's pretty good. It still feels like it fits. Mm -hmm. I'm giving him gouging claw, which, again, sounds kind of weird, but you spell strike it, you throw a card, you know, they take the gouging claw damage. I'm giving all these different, like, physical damage types to deliver with spell strike. And the last cantrip I picked, even though he's got room for a few more, is I picked Warp Step, just oh. because he was, you know, one of the most agile of the X-Men. Yeah. So you need Warp Step, yeah. so you can kind of you know, move a little bit quicker. I, I'm giving him True Strike because I can't help myself. I need True Strike. I mean, that makes sense uh, for another, him, too, yeah. I will, ca- I will call out that I'm, I'm using one of the Magus class feats. Let me go see which one it is. I'm using standby spell where you pick a spell and then they don't have to prepare it. They can just always cast it using a spell slot. I'm picking magic missile. Ooh. When yeah, when you think about it, like, wait a minute, that's absolutely perfect. Let me just he just sits there, he spins three actions, pulls out three cards, foom, foom, foom. Three magic missiles. And if it's heightened to like a fifth level, that kinda hurts, you know? I feel like that's a great fit. I also call out that I'm picking impaling spike. Which is like at the fifth level, you know, and like it just hits him with a spike of cold iron. But if you deliver it through a spell strike and a card, that kind of fits. That's a really heavy kinetic card. Same with weapon storm, right? You deliver it through a spell strike uh, and then like a big burst of like, you know, kinetic energy. Yeah, I mean, I really feel like this actually fits pretty well. I think he is a magus. With Rogue, we didn't do anything fancy. You know, we're using it to increase the skills because he was, you know, a pretty successful, like, street urchin. You know, a child of the of the roads. Like, he knows how to do a lot of stuff. It gives us four berry. It also gives us sneak attacker, which, you know, I, I, I'm, hit or, I'm hit or miss. I'm give or take on sneak attacker. I don't necessarily don't know that he needs it. <laughs> but Rogue does give you strong arm, so he gets ten more feet on throwing those cards. Ooh. If you treat him as... as and if you treat him as darts, it's 30 feet on the cards. It's not like a million yards, but I think it's pretty good. And if you and if you need if you need to throw a card outside of 30 feet, we still do have the psychic version of telekinetic projectile taking it out to 60 feet. He got options. That this that's what I'm saying. This build is kind of just it's got so many tools in it. And then on top of that, he's still got the staff he can spell strike with. With Magus, he gets access to Meteoric Spell Strike, throws a card, Meteoric Strike, you know, 
which isn't as cool as it sounds. It just leaves like a like a trail behind it, so you can so you can hit him again. But still, you know, it still fits pretty good. And I just feel like I don't know. I think I've hit it. I think this is the gambit. Yeah. I think I don't like. I've really wanted more staff stuff. I really wanted more acrobatic stuff. Like the acrobatic dedication would have been great. Staff acrobat would have been perfect. But I think we had to get rogue. We could probably sacrifice rogue, lose four berry altogether, and just flavor different spells as cards, like the magic missile. That probably would have been fine. But I don't know. It's really tough to say. Like we've mentioned a hundred times, there's a hundred different ways to build these characters. Mm -hmm. I think this is definitely definitely a good one though yeah i think going magus for gambit is very smart and i think uh Fulbury actually was a really good find personally i think that the the Fulbury stance is really key to making this feel especially gambity like you don't need to just kind of flavor it yeah. and hand wave it like you do have the rules supporting that your deck of playing cards functions like daggers or darts yeah, I thought that was neat. And I just couldn't decide on if I wanted to start at level two with Rogue mm -hmm. and then pick up Psychic for just like, for, for Psychic at nine, mm -hmm. or if I wanted to switch that. It's a really tough choice. Yeah. Because if I go, because if I put Rogue at nine, then I can get four Barry at level 10, and I can be done with Rogue right there, but you don't get Strong Arm. It's tough. It's tough. You know, it just depends on what you want to focus on. Do you want to? There's just so many different ways to build this stuff. No, I think I think the way that you did it was really smart. Well, Jess, tell me about your last one. Your capstone X Men. Yeah. I picked my favorite. Have you brought your favorite to the table? One of the first X Men that was suggested in the Discord. When we like when we originally asked for characters, we just kind of said, what pop culture characters do you want to see? And we had. Uh, and we had some of I did get lucky mm -hmm. that my, that Gambit was suggested by listeners, Tony and Tanglefoot. Yeah. So even before we specified X-Men, though, we had two of our patrons suggest two of the X-Men. And it was because we had so much patron interest in a couple of X-Men that we decided, well, let's just ask for more X-Men and let's do a whole X-Men episode. And so those two X-Men that were originally suggested, even before we specified like, okay, we're going to do a whole episode dedicated to this, we had Folkland requesting Wolverine. And then we had our patron Dom who requested Nightcrawler. And Nightcrawler is... If not my favorite X-Men, then one of like my top three. Like it's it's difficult for me to say exactly who my favorite X-Men is because like with comic book characters, with these like with any uh, mainstream superhero comic character, it's difficult to say that like this is my favorite character versus having like a favorite run or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they have such long histories and so many different incarnations and their lives change so much over the course of like i don't know like the 50 years that they've been in comics or whatever nightcrawler was another character who appeared in the x-men animated series jess let me frame this yeah. just a little bit yeah because i know 
that Nightcrawler is kind of blue. Mm -hmm. I know he used to be a priest, mm -hmm. and well, I know he teleports, and that it smells like brimstone. Mm -hmm. But I don't really know much else about him. Jess, convince me as to why Nightcrawler is so cool. X-Men? I, I, Nightcrawler is cool because he teleports. Like, Fair I don't, I don't need more to it than that. His power is sick. He's so cool. That's true. But, so... I mean, Nightcrawler actually never became a priest exactly. He is Catholic, and he was, uh, like, in the X-Men cartoon, you meet him when he is hiding out in a church. But he doesn't mm. actually, like, formally join the priesthood. There are a couple times where he kind of studies to take, I don't know, the priest exams or whatever, but he never quite actually does it, so... It's actually a, a misconception that he's a priest. And when I told... That's interesting. Yeah, when I told my roommate that I was building Nightcrawler, he was immediately like, so you're building him as a cleric, right? Because he's a priest. You're building him as a cleric, right? <laughs> I was like, no, he never actually became a priest. I'm not building him as a cleric. But, so... That also demonstrates that your roommate might not know a lot about Pathfinder because you ain't going to get the teleportation you uh, need out of cleric. Uh, he was He was memeing. He was joking with me. But uh, yeah, so Nightcrawler had Nightcrawler is a very old character. Nightcrawler is almost as old and almost has as much history with the X Men as Wolverine. Wolverine was really? introduced only one year before Nightcrawler, and they both were introduced in X Men comics at the same time. The only reason Wolverine kind of edges Nightcrawler out is because a year before they were both introduced in the X-Men, Wolverine appeared in an issue of Incredible Hulk. Hmm. So, in 1975, uh, the X-Men comics had, they had been, like, stagnating for a while. No X-Men had been published in, like, five years, and they revived the series with Giant Size X-Men number one when they introduced a fully new X-Men team whose first mission with the X-Men after being recruited by Professor Xavier was to go and do a rescue mission to rescue the previous X-Men team. Oh, that's and cool. There are a lot of X-Men who were on this new revival team, this second wave team, that I don't think... Like, you, would not, you wouldn't look at that character and think, like, oh yeah, they weren't an original X-Men. They were added later. Like, Nightcrawler was added at this time. Wolverine at this time, but also classics like Storm and Colossus were also created at this time. And hmm. then Thunderbird. And then the only two like veteran X-Men characters who had been introduced prior to this, who already existed on the X-Men before, who were still members of the team, were Sunfire and Banshee, who are absolutely not as well known as like Storm, Colossus, Wolverine, Nightcrawler. Yeah, no, I definitely don't know those. Yeah. So Nightcrawler's power, like I said, is teleportation. And the way that he does his teleportation is kind of like the way Shadow Jump works, where he goes into a different dimension. In his case, it's called the Brimstone Dimension, which is why it smells like sulfur. As legally distinct from hell. Yes. Yes, the Brimstone Dimension is legally distinct from hell. That is correct. And so he goes through the Brimstone Dimension and then, like, pops out the other side. So, like, Shadow Jump allows you to go through the Shadow Plane to make your journey shorter, he goes through the Brimstone Dimension, and so his travel between 
two points is basically instantaneous because he travels through a different dimension instead of through our, our reality. Hmm. He also has superhuman agility, reflexes, and flexibility. He has microsuction discs on his fingers that lets him climb. He has like three little fingies on each hand and three little toes on each foot. He has a prehensile tail and he is like blue and furry. He's covered in like indigo fur. And thanks to both his indigo fur and his connection to the brimstone dimension, which has some shadowy light bending properties, he has the ability to hide himself even in direct light. This Does is this your sound point. like a classic Dungeons and Dragons to you? Um, I can say it definitely does not. It does not. You're not getting like extreme shadow dancer vibes from the fact that he travels through a shadowy dimension to teleport between locations and can hide even in direct light. Oh, you ah, said the brimstone dimension, and that takes my head to 40k, mm. where they're just like traveling through the warp, and if their mm. Geller fields aren't up, they become insane. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. What lives in the brimstone dimension? Like, I am dying to know more about the brimstone dimension. Yeah, so in X-Men, there are some demons slash demonic mutants who were exiled by the kind of celestial mutants into the brimstone dimension, and it's like a prison that they're trapped in. So does he go, like, like past them when he teleports? Yeah, he walks in like, hey, bud. He, um... His travel through the brimstone dimension is so instantaneous that for a uh, long time, he doesn't even realize that he's going through a different dimension. And so it's not until I think Beast builds a device where they're trying to amplify his teleportation powers and then he teleports like a super, super long distance. And because of the length of that distance, that causes him to spend enough time in the brimstone dimension that he becomes aware of it. And uh, yeah, it is like a very freaky experience. That's wild. Yeah. I want to know more. <laughs> so Nightcrawler is the child of Mystique, very famous shape changer mutant. Hmm. And one of these demonic mutants who was banished to the Brimstone Dimension, Azazel. And Azazel in the X-Men's is varyingly also, he also goes by a bunch of like very demon names like one of his aliases is Satan, but he has oh. like he has like twelve names, and there have been retcons at various points of like, is he actually Satan, or is he just posing as Satan? Is he the same person as this person, or just using their name because he's a little wily little trickster? And so his I feel like the writers just could make up their mind. No, he's just been retconned a couple times, and so like there was a while where he was like literally Satan, and he was literally a demon, and then he was retconned into like a demonic mutant, and there's just been you know. You know how comics change what over time. It is a demonic mutant, mm -hmm. right? Like, I get what a mutant is, right? Oh, genetics. Oh, what's a demon mutant? A demonic mutant, in the way that the term is currently being used, a demonic mutant is just a mutant who looks like a demon. Oh, well, that's But that's nice. because there were the retcons where previously there were, like, literal demons, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Nightcrawler. Uh, is not raised by either of his parents. He's raised in the circus by a sorceress. Uh, and then he performs like acrobatics and he's an aerial artist in the uh, circus. And then his kind of like blue furred appearance makes it so that Nightcrawler can't really pass among humans. 
And so the way that he's eventually recruited into the X-Men is basically the same between the cartoon and the comics. Uh, Professor Xavier comes and saves him from like an angry mob who think he's a demon. Hmm. Uh, Nightcrawler does appear in some of the 20th Century Fox films, but I don't know. I, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled. I he was like, okay. remember him. I, he was not. Yeah, I remember him in like the first his first mm-hmm. appearance, but I I, I barely remember yeah. that. He changed to actors after that, and I haven't seen really particularly any of the appearances with the second actor except for like I think he had a cameo in Deadpool too. Yeah, I don't even remember that. Neither do I. But uh, yeah, so his is a. I'm deadly curious to know how you built this though, because mm-hmm. like the teleportation is such a thing him just going mm-hmm. in and out of the brimstone dimension is just such a thing and pathfinder is so afraid of letting players do a lot of teleporting yeah uh, nightcrawler is one of those characters where it's really difficult to achieve the full fantasy in lower levels you do kind of have to get to higher levels and if i were to build nightcrawler as a magus or maybe as like a thaumaturge or something maybe i could get access to like a lower level something that's similar to teleport like the the mere thaumaturge isn't exactly teleportation you create a double of yourself which nightcrawler doesn't do but you could execute the fantasy in that way uh there there are some different ways that you could do this but in my opinion nightcrawler is so much just like the prototype of what it means to be a shadow dancer that it is impossible for me to build him and execute his teleports as anything other than the Shadow Dancer's Shadow Jump. Because, like, Nightcrawler is literally going through basically the Shadow Plane, right? Like, that, that is how his teleportation works. So Shadow Jump okay. is executing okay. on exactly the, like, the nuances of the flavor of the power. So even though Shadow Dancer is really annoying to qualify for, that is what I ended up pursuing for how I executed his teleportation power. Because isn't Shadow Dancer like level eight? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a it's That's a high level one. It's difficult. And so Nightcrawler is in a weird place where the most iconic thing about him, his teleportations and his ability to hide himself in direct light, these are all things that he is achieving through an archetype, not through his main class. And so you can really execute on the Nightcrawler fantasy with pretty much any class just by taking Shadow Dancer, right? What's his fighting style? Yeah, yeah. So Nightcrawler's fighting style, kind of a nerd. And the thing that he's a nerd for is pirate movies and Errol Flynn. Nightcrawler is obsessed with Errol Flynn. Like... You can oh, look goodness. in the comic. This is canon Nightcrawler facts. Nightcrawler <laughs> loves Errol Flynn. And Nightcrawler has a rapier and fences because he is obsessed with Errol Flynn. <laughs> and so because of Nightcrawler's just obsession, just his fanboy obsession with like pirate duelist Errol Flynn, uh, I chose to make Nightcrawler as a swashbuckler. Oh my goodness. <laughs> which version? Which kind of swashbuckler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Nightcrawler ABCs. Uh, Nightcrawler, like I said, I did also make a cat folk, and I chose to make Nightcrawler as a cat folk. 
Now in the X-Men, Nightcrawler is covered in fur and has a tail and has his weird little handsies and footsies because he's a mutant who just looks that way. In Golarian, as a Golarian character, I think that Nightcrawler as a blue little furry dude works really well as a cat folk. And then not only- I can easily see it. Not only is he a cat folk, he is a cat folk with the tiefling heritage because of his relation to Azazel slash Satan. Oh my god, that works so well. His background is acrobat because he was raised in the circus. He is a swashbuckler and his swashbuckler style is fencing, which makes him trained in deception and gives him panache when he faints and creates a diversion against a foe. For his ancestry feat, he has Pitborn, which is uh, your blood bears the mark of a demon, a living embodiment of sin, blah, blah, blah. We're not so concerned about that. Uh, the, de- the demonic power pulses through your veins and manifests in different ways for each Pitborn, but it manifests in like physical characteristics. So some of the examples it gives is like maybe you have webbed fingers or maybe you have large hands capable of wrestling larger foes or what have you. But it makes you trained in athletics and gives you an athletic skill feat. Nightcrawler has Pitborn because he has his like three fingers and three toes and his weird handsies and footsies and his suction on his little fingies, right? So he, That skill feat's helpful too. Mm-hmm, he has Combat Climber. And then for a class feat, he has Goading Feint, which you can use when you're trained in Deception that lets you do something different when you successfully feint. Instead of making an enemy flat-footed, because an enemy might already be flat-footed to you, when you successfully feint someone, you can make them take a negative two circumstance penalty on their next attack roll against you. I wonder if a lot of our characters are going to end up as psychics and swashbucklers. I was so close to making Gambit a swashbuckler. I was so Yeah, close. that would have been funny because then we would have had two psychics and two swashbucklers. I think I made the right choice in, make, mm-hmm. in moving him off it, but I was close and it was a decent build. Yeah. Now, Shadow Dancer is really difficult to qualify for because the Shadow Dancer dedication requires you to be a master in stealth and an expert in performance, which if you're not a rogue, which I chose not to make Nightcrawler a rogue, I made him a swashbuckler, that's pretty much all of your skill boosts. And I could have done it without free archetype, but I wouldn't really have been able to make him a fencer. I would have had to make him mm-hmm. a battle dancer so that he's getting more mileage out of his performance. But he does have free archetype. So at second level, his uh, free archetype is the rogue dedication. This is going to let him pick up a couple of rogue feats. He's getting a sneak attacker. He's getting basic trickery for underhanded assault, which is the one that lets you sneak up to a foe and then immediately make a melee strike at the end of your sneak. Uh, And then starting at level eight, he is taking with his main class feat, the uh, rogue archetype uh, feat skill mastery so that he can get his mastery in stealth and his expert in performance so that he qualifies for Shadow Dancer in his free archetype slot. And then that is one of the really useful mm-hmm. things about the rogue archetype is just the skills yeah. that you can get from it. Yeah. 
and then at level 10 he gets his uh his shadow magic for his shadow jump and so it does suck that um building him as a shadow dancer to achieve his teleportation even though in my opinion he is like the archetype the prototype the the original shadow dancer it does it is kind of lame that he doesn't get his like iconic teleporting power until level 10 that is kind of rough yeah but and it's just such a hard thing to to, to play with in mm-hmm. in pathfinder because they just really don't like letting you just teleport all over the place mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so for his Ancestry feats, he is a Catfolk Tiefling. His Ancestry feat at first level is his Pitborn Lineage. At fifth level, much like uh, Mr. Logan, he also has climbing claws. He also has climbing claws. He doesn't have claws. He has his little suction pads. But but it does give him a yeah, climb speed. This is how he's achieving his climb speed. And then at level nine, uh, I had to go back and take a second fifth level feet he has skillful tail so that's for his little prehensile tail that he has that's good that's good that's good and then yeah for his um for his skills by level 10 he is a master of both deception and stealth he is an expert in acrobatics and in performance and then he is trained in athletics diplomacy intimidation circus lore medicine occultism society and thievery he just really seems like he was a tough build what's on the cutting room floor that you wish you could have fit in oh the acrobat archetype oh yeah that would have been good yeah acrobat archetype had a lot of stuff that would have been good for him but it just didn't fit in there given the stuff that i wanted to give him with rogue Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, maybe Shadow Dancer should just be a, a base class. <laughs> a 1 to 20 class. That, it's, you know, you build it later, and then it wouldn't be as hard to get into. I don't know. There's um, I have thoughts about Shadow Dancer that are not really here or there for, like, an episode doing builds. But... Yo, what if they, what if they kind of expanded it downwards and made it, like, a level 2? Like archetype, like dedication. You get into it at level two, and you can work up to the cool, like shadow dancer stuff that we love. Shadow dancer. I mean, assassin got that. Assassin's level two. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Shadow dancer has always struggled with the fact that in like D and D three point five, it gave you hide and plain sight at first level, and so like in D and D three and D and D three point five, and then in Pathfinder first edition, it was always a higher level prestige class because hide and plain sight is quite powerful, and it's always just kind of occupied that higher level spot that like is difficult to qualify for. Like in D and D third edition, you needed like so many feats too. You it's needed crazy. like, and you got so few feats in D and D third edition. Like it wasn't like Pathfinder Pathfinder one. You got way less feats, and you needed to spend like three of them to be a shadow dancer. Like shadow dancer in D and D third edition didn't it didn't even know what it wanted to be. Like you basically had to be a fighter. You had to multi-class fighter and rogue, basically, to be a shadow dancer, because there was no other way to get enough feats unless you were a fighter taking fighter feats. Fighter four and then no more. Yeah. Yeah. The classic. Mm-hmm. I forgot about his sword slinging. I think that's a really good fit. Yeah, he he is such a nerd for Errol Flynn. 
Yeah, and especially like if you were starting a game where it's like, all right, you're all starting level ten. Like isn't like Ruby Phoenix, you all start at level ten. Yeah. Like that's a perfect fit, you know? Yeah. You don't have to go through like ten levels of playing character who doesn't feel like Nightcrawler. Yeah. It's like boom, suddenly you're doing the thing. It's difficult to feel like Nightcrawler without being able to banter around, but I don't think it would feel bad to play and level up this character where you're a little a little tiefling cat folk fencer with your combat climbing and your goading feint. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about Chrono Skimmer and some of its like, you know, weird movement tech? Yeah, there are like I said, there are a couple of different ways that you can achieve the mm-hmm. kind of movement powers, but in my mind, like Shadow Dancer exists to execute on the Nightcrawler fantasy. And oh, for sure. a part for sure. a part of what I love about Nightcrawler and what I love about the Shadow Dancer are really entwined for me. Yeah, yeah. Like I love Nightcrawler I because it's that. a Shadow Dancer and I love the Shadow Dancer because it's a Nightcrawler. <laughs> <laughs> these are yeah these are great because like this is one of my favorite have... this is one of my favorite x-men and it's also one of my favorite like D prestige classes it's one of my favorite pathfinder archetypes i i'm nuts for the shadow dancer if we ever come back to marvel and but it, and it's not x-men i'll probably pick frank castle because mm-hmm. he's like my all-time favorite like comic book character is frank castle yeah and it's it can be almost more challenging to execute on characters who have less fantastical things to work with. That's kind of my jam. Yeah. But listeners, you tell us. This is I know this has been a little bit of a long episode, but we've had we just had so much fun. We just had to share these with you. You tell us, how did we do? Did we build these X-Men appropriately or did they mutate into something that you weren't really ready for? Go to the Discord. Please let us know, how would you have built these characters different? Because that's all we have for you today. Make sure to check out the rest of our content on the No Direction Network, because if you like this show or any of our other blogs or shows, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash no direction, because it's the support of our patrons that make this all possible. Until next time, I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. Thanks for listening to Legend Lore. And as always, our subjects today have been important people. 